Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning thanking you, God, for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for you're the only God that makes things happen. You're the one true God that brings health, that brings restoration, that brings reconciliation, uh, that brings salvation to man. Uh, Lord, we pray that you can work in our lives, work in our mind, that as we dive into Scripture, that our hearts can be renewed, that our minds can be renewed, Lord, that as we look at the world unfold, God, that we can look to you first. I pray that we will be just uh, just filled with you, that we can be filled with your joy, with your comfort, with your peace, um, as we see everything around us, Lord. And I pray that we will learn to trust you more as we look at Scripture. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, uh, some that are sick, some that are doing well. Um, I pray that you be with them, Lord. I pray that you be with their families and that you bless them mightily. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 37, I'm going to read verses 1 uh, through 11. Uh, so we're going to look at this first section and dive out of Philippians again for just uh, maybe for, uh, for today. And, uh, and look at this word and that, I, that I pray will bless your life uh, greatly. Psalm 37, and I'm going to specifically focus on verses 1 through 11, the first section of this psalm. And the psalm reads like this, Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes, seize from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. So let me go directly into the text. So the first verse sets the course for the, for the whole chapter, basically. The first verse says, do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. And it opens with a direct imperative. And do not fret and be not envious. There's no preface. There's no opening. Uh, there's no some opening words. Just a straightforward imperative to God's people and all the hearers. A straightforward command that we see. Fret, just to, for, for those of you that are wondering, it means to be agitated. It means to be annoyed. And uh, if you go deeper into if you want to do a word search on this, um, it means to, be, to get angry because of this, to be displeased. To be wax hot, to be troubled, to uh, trouble, uh, uh, anger, to worry, to be vexed, all that and much more. If you were to do a word search, and the in Arabic usage of the word, just interesting. To me. Do not fret. He's saying to the Christian people, don't be irritated to the point of anger. Don't get, don't get so vexed. Don't get so annoyed over what you see. Don't get so agitated because it's going to take the focus off of what I desire for you to be and live. And so as we see sin increasing around us, as with so much injustice, uh, people's uh, marginalized suffering for different reasons, we see radical sinful mentalities taking the lead. And the church at times frets. And that's why I wanted to bring this word that we not fret, but that we stand our ground as Christians. And, uh, you know, as our lives even get rattled by society, you know, by the system of this age, you know, we see sickness out of control. And the call to the Christian is do not fret. When you see things happening around you, fret not because of this. But we must hold our ground we must, you know, not act too quickly, not speak too quickly, you know, not, you know, not, not just speak, you know, out of impulse, but we must think before we speak and before we act. You know, the other imperative we see here is be not envious. And we all know what that means. It's to be, it's to have discontent 
you know, because somebody has something that you desire. It's this, it's this evil jealousy within man, you know, for other, other people's belongings or, or what they possess. And God's word tells us when, when there's wickedness going around, the Christian ought not to desire the, the, the people of Egypt. We ought not to desire Babylon. We ought not to desire the sinful ways of man. He goes, don't fret and be not envious. Stay still and don't desire what evil people have. And um, so he says, don't be envious. Because why? Because this, this takes over us. Envy is it, it's something that takes over us. And again, it blocks us. It blinds us from God's will in our lives. You know, to be happy and joyful is to be in the state of happiness, in the state of mind that God wants us to be in. You know, we are to be Christ-like. That ought to be our state of mind. What does God desire for me? What does God's word say about this? You know, to be the church and be not like this age. You know, an imperative is commonly used uh, as a command or instruction in God's word. You know, the word of God is not suggesting something here. When he says, do not fret, be not envious, he's not suggesting, a, you know, a good idea. No, but better yet, he's telling us very plainly what we must do. This is a command. This is directly to the church, to God's people. And, and this was written thousands of years, you know, and, and sin has only increased and evil has only taken more lead. And, and things just don't seem, um, uh, it's not like it was easier then for the psalmist. No, there's been evil always, and there will always exist evil until the Lord returns and, um, and brings judgment. You know, and that's why it says, do not fret because of evildoers. You know, when we see people practicing evilness around us, and that's what it is. Evil is evil. We should not call evil something else. Uh, wickedness is wickedness. You know, and in a time where they call good evil and evil good, we must stand our ground for what is right, for what is righteous, for what is true, for what is honorable, for what is pure, for what is lovely, for the things of good repute. Those are the things that we must dwell upon and that we must grow in. And we must be innocent to the things that are evil. You know, be not envious toward these wrongdoers. You know, as we see the, the uh, corruption, the last thing God wants is for God's people to envy that. The last thing God wants for his people is to say, uh, for his children to desire what, what the world offers instead of what God offers. And when we, once we take our focus off the cross, off Jesus Christ, that is what happens. We desire the things of the flesh. That is a natural tendency of ours. That's why God's word says this. You know, not only to not get agitated, but don't even desire what they have. You know, and those who are evildoers and wrongdoers only have one end. And that's what it says in verse 2. And God's word is reminding us not to be taken over by what we see presently. Don't be taken over. Don't be overcome by this. You know, that God spoke this, you know, thousands of years before. When Jesus was here, he said, look, I'm letting you know this. So when it happens, you be not surprised. You know, he said, don't be surprised when this happens. I'm telling you beforehand. So when evil increases, you know that I told you that it was going to happen. Look at the Gospels. You read the Gospels. Jesus forewarned his, his, his believers for all times. Things are going to happen. They will wither quickly like grass and fade like the green herb. You know, in the long run, there really is nothing to fret about. In by him by surprise that his providence is, is the government working around for the Christian. He makes things happen. He orchestrates things for us. And we trust that. So in the long run, we are not to even worry. We are not to even, this should not cause us anxiety because there is no reason to envy emptiness. There is only emptiness in evil. There is only emptiness in the things uh, that, that are contrary toward God. In other words, those things are built upon sand and one day they will fall apart. When the storm hits, those things fall apart. You know, when trouble comes, those things cannot hold you. There's no anchor in evilness. You know, you're going to have to keep grabbing onto this, grabbing onto that, grabbing onto material, grabbing onto uh, possessions, grabbing onto this. Why is that? Because all that is built upon sand. 
And only the things that we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ will withstand time, the fire, the test, and everything else that comes its way. You know, and we see this, that, like I said, there's no reason to build anxiety, to build worry over this. You know, I know that's easier said than done, but that is the word of God telling us, don't be anxious. Don't get agitated because that's only going to get you angry. That's only going to bring distractions into your life. And the people are not the enemy. Remember this, the enemy is not flesh and blood. You know, although the enemy uses flesh and blood, they are not the enemy. And so we ought to practice Christ-likeness in this time. Fret not, be envious, love, love them, love your neighbor. And that's what I mean, who's your neighbor? Look around, that's your neighbor, everywhere you go. We ought to love everybody equally, not with priorities, not with favoritism, but equally. And, and why is that? Because that's the commandment of God. And so do you know, you know, do, look what it says. It says that, um, it says that they are, that they, for they will wither quickly like grass. And don't you know that, you know, how weak and fragile and dependent grass really is. Think about the, the comparison that God gives here, uh, how weak and fragile it is. You know, in a matter of days, you know, um, just look at grass. In a matter of days, if you don't water it, if it's quickly, it quickly begins to wither. It changes color, and then it dies away. So he, God is using an illustration here that we can understand. He's saying, look, they're going to wither quickly. In other words, it's not going to last forever. Sunday will come. Friday is only for a moment. You know, and so the pain is not, uh, is not forever. Uh, and, and so we have to understand this. Uh, he compares it to the grass, that they will wither, they're going to die away. You know, and, and they'll be, you know, they're going to fall, there'll be destruction. And the wicked will, will come quickly down. And there will be a last day for them. There's going to be a final moment. Death has no bias. You know, and the wages of sin is death. You know, the word of God is the word of God. And so there is no reward in evil doing. There is no reward in wickedness. There is no reward in, 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 um, in living against the will of God. Um, you know, as the psalmist says this in Psalm 96, uh, 96, he says, in the morning, it flourishes and sprouts. Speaking of grass, he says, it sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. In other words, it's just momentary. You know, and when we see evilness, know that it's just momentary. And what we need to do is fret not, and we need to envy not, and we need to trust the Lord our God. You know, the, the enemy and his followers, you know, nowadays, you know, we can say his trolls, you know, desire to have us fretting, to have us worried, to have us scared. You know, when you pay attention to other voices before God's voice, that's what's going to happen. When you pay attention to the, to the enemy's trolls, to the enemy's peanut gallery, to the enemy's uh, people, you're going to fret. And, and that's why we need to be continuously diving into God's word, uh, submerging ourselves, saturating ourselves. <laughs> seriously we need to immerse our lives in god's word now more than ever you know now when we see evil rising we need to know what good is we need to know what authentic authenticity is we need to know what it means to be a genuine christian by looking at god's inherent infallible word you know but for the christian our strength is not outside it's not this world we find our strength within us, and his name is Jesus Christ. He dwells here by the Holy Spirit. You know, and we don't draw from human strength. You know, when we see things happen around us, you're gonna notice, and I'm sure you all have noticed, that your human strength is not enough. You know, our strength is weak. We are weak, we are fragile. If we get sick, we will quickly notice how fragile we are. If, 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 if we lose our health, we are weak and we need we need a strength that comes from outside of us that is the gospel of jesus christ but yet he dwells within us by his holy spirit you know this this chapter has a list of a sort of prescription for those who trust in the lord and that's why i chose this because this basically chapter i'm sorry verse one it opens up the chapter, and he opens up with this imperative. He goes, do not fret. Be not envious. He opens up with this powerful imperative uh, to the Christian people, to God's people. And then he gives a prescription for this uh, in, in such a beautiful way. 
uh, that is just orderly done. And, you know, we clearly are called not to fret. We know this by scripture. We are not to be vexed. You know, don't be irritated when you see the news. There is room for righteous anger, but that should not consume your everyday living. You know, what should consume you is the gospel of Jesus Christ, not hate, not envy, not jealousy, but it ought to be the love of Christ that richly dwells within us. You know, and, and that is going to make us avoid living a life of bitterness, of anger, and so forth. You know, the believer is not to be moved by our everyday situations. You know, but we need to, we need to gear our minds, you know, towards the Lord. You know, don't allow the news to transform you or dictate who you are or your future. You know, we must allow God's word to transform us, to give us, to give us true uh, everlasting words, uh, living and active words. Listen to the voice of God before any other voice. God's word is everlasting. It is enduring. It is living. It is active. It has stood the test of time. The veracity of scripture has stood the test of time. The transmission of scripture for thousands of years have blessed people that have gone through similar situations. The, just, the, just the infallibility, uh, the, the immutability of the word of God has stood the test of time. Everything else has crumbled away at one point and been, is rebuilt, crumbled away and is rebuilt. But the word of God, the text that we're reading right now has been read by thousands and thousands and thousands of believers throughout generations and has blessed their lives. And so this is why we know this is the word of God, because it continuously blesses us. You know, Isaiah 26.3 says, The steadfast of mine you will keep in perfect peace, because he trusts in you. It is those who are unwavering with their mind that can be kept in perfect peace with God. It is those who allow God to sit at the throne of their minds that can sit in perfect peace, in complete peace, because we trust in him. You know, our brothers and sisters, like I said, for thousands of years, you know, they have come to this verse and have received um, uh, instruction by this. They have received encouragement by this. Um, and there was wars. There's been sickness. There's been plagues. There's been famine. There's been rejection of society for the Christian and for God's people now, who have sought. And the, all these people have sought refuge in the Psalms. You know, and, 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 this, and this morning, that's what I desire for us, to look at this and remind ourselves that those who trust in the Lord truly have an assurance, truly have security. And I know that it's, I know that it's hard because we're living in time, we're literally in the midst of so much, and so much wickedness, so much confusion. So I know we are. We all live in the same world. It's not like I transfer out of this into a bubble and not live in this world. We all live in this world and we all suffer. We all go through things. But it is God's word that we must come back to, that we must fill ourselves with. Even if it's uncomfortable, it's God's word that has the last word for us and the first word actually for us. You know, it is God's word that gives us true peace, you know, to those who look to him and trust him alone. Those steadfast of mind, they will not fret. And the reason is because they're fixed upon Christ. They're steady on, on, on their belief of Jesus. Like I said, they're unwavering with their belief of who Jesus is. They're unflinching about this. They're resolute to the word of God. You know, they trust, they dwell, they delight, they commit themselves, they rest in Jehovah God. You know, doctrine and ethics, we saw this uh, a few weeks ago. They're married together perfectly. And in this psalm, we see this perfectly, how doctrine and ethics must be married together. They cannot live apart. They are married together. What you believe and how you live, your behavior, your conduct must be in line with what you say you believe. Um, and so God and man, we see his providence. We see man's will here. You know, we see learning uh, to look toward God and living for God. So those who, you know, those who um, are on, um, those who are bound to heaven, somebody once said, must be willing to swim against the stream. If you're bound for heaven, if your goal is to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, then you must learn to swim against the stream. And that has been the truth for ages. That has never changed. The, the, the way to Jesus Christ is not the way that the world presents. That's why he said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father unless they go through the Son. And so that is the only primary way. That is the only way. It is through Jesus Christ. And those who are bound to heaven 
must learn to swim against the stream of whatever comes our way. You know, right now is all this nonsense. Tomorrow can be other nonsense. And we must learn not to fret. You know, verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. This is the posture of the Christian. This is our mindset. Trust in the Lord. You know, not in Caesar. Trust in the Lord. You know, the Lord is our shepherd, not the government. It is God. It is Christ who we trust in. He is the one who promised that would take care of us. Trusting is depending, you know, not living in fear, you know, of our surroundings. Truly believing in God's providence, you know, that is at work in you and around you. You know, the, 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 the more you know of him and his word, the more you will trust him in all the areas of your life. In all the areas. And, and that's what God wants. He calls us, fret not, but trust me. Don't envy. Trust me that I will take care of you. You know, you will not lack. You will have what you need. He goes, and do good. Don't just trust me. Don't just put your anchor down and trust me. He goes, but practice goodness. Live this out. This is your ethics. This is Christian ethics. Do good. Be good. Practice goodness. You know, trusting, trusting doesn't mean that we are inactive. You know, the fact that we trust him will only be demonstrated by the fact that we live this out, by our lifestyle, you know, that is not shriveled away in constant fear and worry. And this is where we all need to grow in, our trust in God. Every single one of us listening to this, we must grow in this area. It's not like we have achieved it and we've maximized it. No, we must grow in this area because if not, we're going to be shriveled away in different areas of our life, whether it be family, whether it be your health, whether it be your finances, whether it be your future, and you can add whatever you want in there. You must trust God in all the areas of your life, or you might envy in that area, or you might fret in that area. Every area of your life, we must constantly give to the Lord. That's why I said each and every one of us listening can grow in this area and do good. That's what the world needs, to see goodness, to see what it means to not practice evil, you know, to live out what Jesus would do. For we know that the fruit of the Spirit is this. It says in Galatians 5, it says, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, it is joy, it is peace, it is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that we ought to be demonstrating right now with our lifestyle because we trust Him. These are fruits that, not that we force out of us, but these are things that come naturally out of us. Just like the apple tree doesn't need to force an apple, it, bear, it, you know, it, it, it gives an apple because that's what it was intended to give. You know, you don't expect an apple tree to give oranges, right? And the same thing, God's children ought to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And so we ought to practice goodness because it is good that is within us. It is Jesus Christ in spirit form. And then he says, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. You know, a call to God's people to stay in Canaan. You know, this is his call. He goes, look, stay in the promised land and don't desire the land of the Philistines. Get, you know, stay with what I gave you. This is what I gave you, the, the, the promised land where it's going to flow milk and honey, where you're going to have what you need. But what does God's people always want? They want Egypt. They want what the Philistines have. They want what they used to have. You know, when, when God took them out in the wilderness, out of, you know, out of slavery, what do they complain about? They murmur. They complain. You know, we used to eat better before. We used to have better clothing. We used to this. You know, that is who we are. You know, we're grumblers and complainers, and that's what we need to avoid. And that's what happens when you envy. You begin, you're discontent with what you have. You're discontent with who you are. And what do you do? You grumble. You complain about what God has provided for you. And that's why he goes, look, just dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Know that I will take care of you, but be faithful where I've called you. You know, God will never desert his people. You know, he won't forsake his godly ones. It, that's a continuous thing that he, that he portrays in Scripture. I will not forsake you. In fact, Emmanuel means God with us. You know, and what did he say about the Holy Spirit? You know, I'm going to send you one just like me, a helper. I'm going to send you somebody, right, that he will be with you forever. So God's intention is never to desert us. He will always be with us. We see this from Genesis all the way to Revelation, literally, that God is with his people, and we can trust him. Fretting will only make us impatient, you know, and that's what we need to be faithful, not impatient. We need to be faithful and cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate means we work at this. You know, this is, this, this is labor. You know, this, this is duty. You know, we, we're constantly cultivating 
faithfulness, just like the farmer, you know, cultivates, you know, we ought to practice that continuously, continuously. And, and that's day to day. You know, that causes us to be steady, to be trusting him. You know, he will feed us. <laughs> he will clothe us. You know, he will care for us. You know, no matter what comes our way, God will be with us. You know, and then verse 4 tells us, delight yourself in the Lord, right? And he goes, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, in who he is, this is what it means to delight. We, we must learn who God is. If not, we cannot delight in him. We must, we must understand the attributes of God in order to understand who God truly is. We must look to God's word, not to what society says of God. You know, society paint all kinds of pictures. We must look to God's word so we can learn to delight in him and what he has done. Look at the gospel and what he has promised. Look at the promises for his children. You know, take pleasure in mercy and grace upon your life. This morning, he's already poured out mercy upon us. He's already given us grace. We don't even realize it, but he's already given us the grace that we need to face whatever will come today. You know, we don't know what's going to happen today, but we can know, rest assured, that the grace that he's given us is sufficient for today. We know that his strength is sufficient for us today. We know that no matter what phone call we get, what news we get, he will be with us and he will give us the strength for today. And we are not to worry for tomorrow, for today has enough troubles of his own. You know, we are not to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You got to just focus on today. You know, tomorrow's not even promised. You know, and yesterday's already gone. What you have is today. What you have is right now. That's why every investment you do into knowing God is only for your benefit. You know, we must, this is the only way we can delight in him. You know, evil men delight themselves in carnal activities. And this is the contrast. The, the, God's people delight themselves in God himself, not just in his promises, but in who he is. You know, not just because he answers prayers, but even when he doesn't answer them. Not, not just because he's going to provide, but even when I lack stuff, he's still a good God. You know, and I must learn to delight in myself because, like I said, evil men delight themselves in the, the flesh, in the carnal activities, you know, in fleshly pleasures. But we should not envy their position. We should not envy their portion. You know, we have our own eternal and everlasting. Our Savior is our portion. Our Savior is our inheritance. You know, we are co-heirs with Christ. If we would understand what that means, we would understand that we lack nothing. You know, he will be with us. You know, the best thing that can happen is that we go with him. You know, in this world, that's the worst thing that can happen for many people. You know, that you say goodbye to this world. But in reality, for the believer, this is a reminder for us. The best thing that can happen is that we be with the Lord. You know, not that we be away from him. You know, it, 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 the psalmist paints this picture also in Psalm uh, 34, 8 about delighting in him. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. This is what it means. Taste God. Taste the gospel. In order to taste it, you must, you must truly eat this up. You must, it, it's not just going to happen, you know, uh, you're not just going to catch this. No, you must actually partake of this. You know, you, you, in order for, if somebody tells you, you know, um, that, that so-and-so food is good, like sushi, like Korean barbecue, right? Like good food. And so if somebody tells you, man, you got to try Korean barbecue, you know, and you're, you can only savor it so much, but the day you try it, the day you bite into it, you're going to be like, man, this truly is good. And that's what, and, 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 and that's what it means for the scripture. Unless you yourself read it and lo, unless you yourself eat this up, unless you yourself drink this up, you will never truly taste and see how good God is. You will never, you're always going to hear of experiences. And that's what a lot of people live off, of, of the experiences of others, of the fumes of the past, uh, uh, of past glories. And, and those things are good. But there's beyond that. We ourselves must taste and see that the Lord is good, that God is good, that God is with us. We are, each and every one of us, read the scriptures, look at what God has done in the past. Look, look, at his, uh, look at his wonders, his miracles. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at how he spoke, how he lived. Those things we ought to taste and see. You know, and he will give you the desires of your heart, says the psalmist. He will give you the desires. You know, when, when the posture and direction of our heart is upon the Lord, so our desires shall be also. When the Christian, when we truly delight ourselves in the Lord, 
then we will desire the things that God, that God wants the, the, for the things that are according to the will of God. You know, when, when we ultimately, these are the things that ultimately please him when we're connected to him. You know, this isn't a blanket verse. You know, you know just uh, read it, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He's going to give you whatever you desire. It's not a blanket verse we throw over just anything. You know, like Romans 8.28. Those are not blanket verses. You know, there's truth and profoundness within them. Uh, you know, and, and you know, th this isn't uh, something we, just, like I said, we just toss around with no care. We have to understand this, that those who delight in the Lord desire what God desires. You know, and the preaching of the gospel must come before the benefits of the gospel. We must understand we don't preach benefits. We preach Jesus. And the benefits come after Jesus. You know, the, he gives you the desires of your heart because now your heart is according to his heart. You know, he, he blesses you uh, according to his will because now your will is not your will, but his will. And this is what we see in scripture. Uh, you know, and, you know, don't fret. Or envy evildoers, but delight yourself in Christ. Don't be agitated at the world. Don't get so irritated that you get angry and you forget who the enemy is. You know, don't get, you know, don't let this uh, consume you so much that you don't even want to read the Bible. Don't get so irritated that you can't even be around other people. No, we must love our neighbor, you know, and we must live to please him. And this moves us into an, a, a, a verse 5, commit. Your, your way unto the Lord. So we see this. We see trust. We see dwell, delight. And then he says, commit yourself. Again, these are a prescription for those who trust in the Lord. Those who will not fret. Those who will not envy. This is our prescription that we take in. Commit your way to the Lord. And, and, and this is to roll thy way upon the Lord, like a version says. You know, roll thy way. You know, give it all upon the Lord. You know, commitment is a profound word that many run from. You know, unfortunately, commitment is not, you know, uh, a word that everybody uh, is so excited about. You know, commitment will take you places with the Lord that cannot come out of disloyalty or unfaithfulness. It's committed people that see the glory of God many times. It's committed people that see what God can truly do if they allow themselves. It's committed people. It's not just uh, talented people. It's not just gifted people, but it takes commitment. It takes discipline to see God move in your life, truly. Because a lot of people just play with this. You know, they're not really committed to Christianity. They're just kind of like, well, I kind of believe in Jesus. You know, as long as there's no, uh, you know, suffering, as long as there's no pain, as long as there's nobody, I don't get nobody angry. As long, no, if we're committed to Christ, you know, just, be, just know this. The world hated him, therefore the world will hate us. That's what he said in the Gospels, you know, right? And so just like the world hated him, don't expect to please everybody. We cannot. You know, we cannot please, that is not the goal of Christianity, please everybody. No, it is to please God. You know, it is to enjoy him. It is to delight in him. You know, and we, like I said, commitment will take us places that cannot come unless we truly give ourselves fully to him. You know, many will never experience what I, you know, like I said, that God, what God can fully do in their lives because they're not committed to God. You know, and, and, and you know, some people have like an, an allergic reaction to commitment. You know, as soon as you ask them to do something, you know, if it involves commitment, you know, they start sneezing, they start coughing, and all of a sudden they just really can't do it. Because commitment is a powerful word. And commitment takes you places. And this is not just in Christianity. I guarantee if you commit yourself to something, anything, it'll take you to another level. You know, um, you know, but remember this, new levels, new devils. Another sermon for another day. So commit your works unto the Lord and, you know, and your plans will be established. If you commit yourself, commit your, commit, I mean, literally, commit your life, commit your family, business, finances, education, your talent, your health. Give them everything. Commit it to the Lord, you know, and he will give you, you know, and, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, and commit your words to the Lord. He will establish your way. He will establish you. He will make sure that you're on a firm rock, not sand. You know, sand can look good for a moment. Look at sand castles. They look beautiful for a moment. You know, we're not called to live in sandcastles, right? Our dwelling places, you know, in heaven are not sandcastles, you know, that are there just for a moment. And what happens when the tide rolls in? It's gone, right? It's just beautiful for a moment. It, it, people are amazed for a moment, and then it's gone in an instant. That's not what the Lord wants for us. You know, he doesn't want us to build sandcastles, all right? You know, he wants us to invest in his kingdom where it's everlasting and enduring. And then it says, trust also in him. And he will do it. Trust him. 
and he will get the job done. Not us. He will do it. You know, it, you know, a committed saint, you know, will see the glories of God. You know, you know, we, we're, we're going to, if we commit ourselves, just watch God move. You know, commit yourself to God and let him work through you. You know, the, the, the secrets of the Lord, the Bible says, belong to those who fear him. Those who fear him are those who are committed to him. You know, God will reveal himself more and more to you, will, will help you understand things as you commit yourself. For example, if you don't understand the scripture, the number one thing you must do is read the scriptures. You know, read them and read them and ask and pray. And God will give you the wisdom that I don't give, that other pastors don't give, that teachers don't give. Wisdom comes from above, not from earthly things. And so we must understand, if I don't understand something, humble myself before the Lord and tell him, Lord, help me understand this. You know, help me understand this better. And God, God will delight in that. That's what God wants, to reveal himself to us. So, but we must commit ourselves to that act. You know, for, you know, there's countless examples, you know, that we can read of Christian biographies of people who committed themselves and they trusted him and God did it. We can read, that's what Christian biographies are all about. You know, that people who were ordinary, who were simple, you know, men and women who trusted and delighted and committed to the Lord, and he used them to impact countless lives, even after they, were, even after they went with the Lord, you know, for many nations at times. You know, God came through. God did it. It was the Lord. Why was that? Because they fretted not. All these people, you read Christian biographies, especially, um, you know, in times of plagues, uh, in times of war, and what would read about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, in, in, the, in the German war. Look at this. And he talks about, he brings this, this great teaching of cheap grace. In a time of war, in a time, you know, uh, of difficulty. And, and he tells, he calls the church, be faithful. Don't cheapen your grace just because society, you know, is changing. Don't dilute the word of God just because society is offended. No, the word of God is the word of God. You know, we're not called to be heroes. We're called to be faithful to the word of God. You know, we're not called to impress. We're called to impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we're not called to be rich and famous. You know, we're called to be servants of the most high God. That is our calling as believers. You know, and he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. You know, there is no reason to fret. Like I've said, God will come through for us. Our righteousness, our vindication is found upon Jesus Christ and in him, you know, he will shine forth through our lives and bring clarity in the darkest moments. You know, light cannot be hidden. We cannot, you know, one does not light a lamp and put it underneath the table. One lights a lamp because it is necessary in a dark room. And this is us. We are, we, we have the light of Christ, you know, and he is our vindication. He is our light and he will come through for us. You know, as the psalmist is painting this picture, you know, those who trust in the Lord, those who understand the providence of God is at work in them. You know, the Christian ought not to inflame himself with worry, with anger, with envy at evildoers and wrongdoers. As we, we've been looking at this, we ought not to change our posture because the world is collapsing, literally. You know, we must remain faithful to him. We must run to God's word for divine instructions. We must keep the Holy Scriptures in our hands, in our minds, in our hearts. We must bind them around us. We must, we must clothe ourselves with God's word so we know how to speak at the right moment, so we know how to act when it's time to act, so we know how to move with wisdom. Uh, you know, a, a, a lot of times it's just one word can ruin everything. One comment can collapse a person. You know, we must be very careful with these things. And it is God's word that is going to help us uh, to speak at the right time with boldness and security. Verse 7 tells us, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. You know, how true and beautiful yeah, how difficult this is, right? Uh, you know, don't, you know, just rest in him and don't worry. You know, cease from anger and just don't worry. I know it's easier said than done, but this is what God's word tells us to do. You know, it's not supposed to be an easy journey. 
It's supposed to be a journey that we trust God working through us. You know, because with God, all things are possible. With God, what we cannot do in our own strength, that is called faith. That is called God's working through us. Uh, that is why we run to God and we don't run to somebody else. We don't run to the gurus. We don't run to some certain prophet. We don't run to a certain teacher. You know, we don't run to philosophy. We run to God. Why is that? For that is a solid ground. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't rest, uh, when, you know, we don't rest um, upon anything of this world, but upon Jesus Christ. You know, when, 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 when we rest, it doesn't mean that we worry, that we're impatient. You know, uh, you know at times, that's, that's our problem, that we're always impatient. We, wanna, we want it now. You know, we're always in a hurry. You know, at times, we don't wait. You know, our impatience draws us to many troubles. Many times, that's what's going to happen. We're going to fret because we're impatient. We're going to envy because we're not resting upon Jesus Christ and the finished work of Christ and his provision. You know, this is why the psalmist said many times in the Psalms, I waited patiently for the Lord, or patiently I waited for the Lord. And while he was in caves, while he was in the wilderness, while he was fleeing, while he was in danger, he said these words. It's not like he was sitting back in an office with AC and a cup of tea, right, and everything going well. No, he was in a cave. He was hungry. He was suffering. He was being persecuted. And he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. Patiently, I waited for the Lord. And this was the man according to God's heart because he sought God in the most difficult moments of life. You know, he said, my soul waits in silence for God, says the psalmist. My soul waits in silence. In other words, I, I don't contend with God. You know, I, I don't get angry. I don't get agitated with him. But I wait in silence for him because I know that he's going to come through and then he says, cease from anger, right? You know, stop, you know, uh, you know, stop getting angry over these things. You know, forsake wrath. Leave wrath to God. You know, it is not our job to bring the wrath upon anybody. You know, it is because of the grace of God that we're freed from the wrath. You know, and we ought to have, be gracious to other people and not bring judgment before God brings judgment. You know, for he has the last word, not us. You know, this will never accomplish anything. Think of this. All the times that you've been angry, what did it accomplish? Absolutely nothing. You lost sleep. You possibly lost appetite, which is really bad. You probably lost, uh, you know, a lot of time thinking about it, you know, whatever it is. And it accomplishes nothing. And that's why he says the, the anger of man, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't accomplish anything. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. You know, just being angry achieves absolutely nothing. You know, that's why we must give it on to God and fret not, you know, and love your neighbor, you know, but that's only going to happen as if you're, when you're loving God, you know, and anger is short-lived. Remember this, where saving grace has thrived. Anger will be short-lived where grace is present. You know, the, the more grace that you allow in your life day to day, as you live from the graces of God, the less you're going to experience anger in your life, the less you're going to be agitated and have roots of bitterness. Uh, and roots of jealousy, roots of anger. That is what we should not have. We should have roots to the word of God. We should be rooted and grounded upon Christ, not upon being angry and jealous of what's going on around us. You know, that doesn't accomplish anything because it is by the grace of God that we are what we are, as Paul said. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And like we said before, it's not by those things that he accomplished by the flesh. Remember, he said, I count those things rubbish, it's trash in comparison of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And, th and this is what it is. You know, it is by the grace of God that we will be who we are tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It is the grace of our everlasting God. His grace will always be sufficient for us. And we must believe this. Again, this is not a bumper sticker. This is not something we just repeat, you know, to make us feel good. This is a reality. The grace of God is sufficient what does that mean? It means that whatever Jesus can provide, whatever Jesus is, whatever Jesus has done, whatever Jesus has promised is enough for me. And so I will not lack. You know, I may want other things, but I won't lack what God wants me to have. He will provide. And, um, and so his grace is sufficient. If you're going through sickness, his grace is sufficient for you. You know, you're not the only one. You won't be the last one. You know, that's not forever. Remember this, you're going through hard times. His grace is sufficient for you. You're not the only one. It's not the last time. 
You know, a lot of times, little trials prepare us for bigger trials. And as you live life, you will notice, man, there's a lot of trials. Yes, there is. There's a lot of trials. And there's a lot of difficulties. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering in life. But what a joy that we have the grace of God. What a joy that we can draw from it, from, from, the, from the richness of God and fill ourselves. That's what other people don't have. Our hope has a name, right? Our, you know, our future has a name. Uh, everything has a name for us because we bring it back to him and not to the things of this world. You know, we don't rest upon education. We don't rest upon accomplishments. We don't rest upon how much money's in the bank. We don't rest upon uh, family, inheritance, last name. We don't rest upon those things because those things are going to fall apart one day. And only Jesus Christ is sufficient for us. And we must draw from this fountain of grace day to day. We must draw from it. If I'm going to live a life, like it says, this imperative in verse 1, fret not. Uh, of these of these evildoers be not envious over wrongdoers if this is going to be a reality for me then i must draw from the fountain of grace then i must go to him daily i must learn to trust him to dwell where, where he wants me to dwell to delight in him to commit myself to rest upon him to cease from anger you know to depart from evil and do good that's the word of god this is a call for christian leave what is evil be innocent to what is evil. Be wise to what is good. You know, and, 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 and we must pursue goodness. This is the call of God for the Christian. You know, and do not fret or envy. You know, but let us be filled with this divine grace. Let us all be filled by this. We all need it. You know, graciousness is better than greatness. Graciousness is much better than any greatness that we can achieve in this world. The fact that we have his grace, the fact that we can give his grace, the fact that we can live from his grace is much greater, much better, much more sufficient, whatever other word you want to use there, than anything that can be compared to in this world. You know, we must learn to wait for the Lord and keep his way. So brothers and sisters, I just pray that as we look to this psalm, and obviously I don't have time to go through the whole psalm, I would love to, uh, but we'd be here for a while. Um, but, you know, looking at this, um, this is a prescription. Like I said, if you read the psalm, you know, it gives you, it gives you what the wicked are, what's going to happen. But it, it, more than that, it tells us for the believer, for God's people, what does this mean for us, right? You know, fret not. You know, don't be, don't be envious. Don't have this, this jealous, this raging jealousy to have what the world has to, you know, and that's going to change day to day. You know, don't, we, we're all not to fall in love with the trends of the world, with the schemes of the world, with the agendas of the world. We ought to be focused upon Jesus Christ. I know that it's not popular. I know that it's not the most famous way. I know that you, you may, you may uh, get off the Christmas list of some people, but that's okay. You know, I, I, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, when you truly faithfully follow Christ, you're going to see what it means to be a Christian and take glory in it. You know, when people reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the one who sent you. You know, when people speak bad about you, don't worry about it. They're not speaking really bad about you. They're speaking bad about the one who sent you. And believe me, God doesn't need anybody to defend him. He can defend himself. It is us who we run behind the cross. You know, we don't defend God. God defends us. Um, and so with that, you know, uh, I want to leave you guys and let us pray. And let us, let's ask God to help us this week. Um, you know, as we see the world change, fret not. You know, as we see things going on, let us not be envious, uh, but let us trust God. Let us immerse ourselves in God and let us be like Christ. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you thanking you, God, for your word. Lord, as we look to the Psalms, thousands of years of history, thousands of years of people reading, being absorbed by this, of many nations, many tribes, uh, many tongues have read this. Lord, I pray that you can enrich our lives as we read this right now on this Lord's Day, that you can fill us, that you can teach us, that you can instruct us on how we must depart from what is evil, that we must cling to what is good, that we must trust you, commit ourselves, delight ourselves in you, that we must cease from anger, cease from wrath, cease from those things that don't accomplish the righteousness of Christ. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters as we ourselves individually must fight the fight. We must fight the good fight. I cannot fight it for them. They cannot fight it for me, Lord. Each and every one of us must contend for the faith uh, that, that we truly hold. Lord, I pray that we can fight faithfully, that we can believe that it is you, Lord, that, that gives us the strength 
that gives us the willpower, that gives us everything that we need. For we learn that it is your grace. It is your grace. It is your grace. We know that we're saved by grace, but we're also instructed by grace. We're also taught by grace, Lord. And I pray that day to day that my brothers and sisters, they can draw from that fountain of grace, from the treasures that you have, Lord, and that we will fret not, that we will be steady, that we will be steadfast, that we will not be envious, but we will know that you are our shepherd and we shall not want, that we will not bow down to another, but only you, that we will have no other message but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the nation. I pray for our leaders, our government officials. I pray for those who are above us, God, that you bless their lives, that you give them wisdom, that you give them direction, that you bring the gospel to them, that you bring gospel-filled people around them. God, I pray for the direction of this nation, God, that you bring healing upon this land, not only over the physical sickness, but even more deep than that is the spiritual need, is the, is the sin of man. God, I pray that you bring healing, that you bring revival, whether it be uh, in this nation and another nation, that you bring revival, God, that people will come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray for those who have been forgotten, uh, those missionaries, those pastors, uh, people in literally being persecuted as we speak, God. I pray that you give them strength. I pray for them, Lord, as they pray for us, God, that you bless them, God, that you encourage them, uh, that you fill them with your power, that you give them the resources that they need to expand the gospel in the most dangerous places of the world. And as we live here in this nation, help us be faithful. Help us not to fold, not to bend the other way, Lord, not to just uh, conform to this world, but let us trust you. Let us commit ourselves and not fret and not envy. And we pray this in the most gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.